0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Green Chef. Start the new year right by eating healthy and saving money. Green Chef is an organic meal kit delivery service that brings fresh ingredients and easy recipes right to your doorstep. Go to greenchef.com slash fool to get $50 off today. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen. It is Tuesday, January 17th, and fellow Motley Fool analyst Sarah Priestley is in studio with me again this week to talk the consumer and retail sector. How are you, Sarah?
1: I'm good, thank you. What a great uh, commercial to bring us into our topic
0: today. Yeah, actually very, very appropriate. So. Um, you know, last week obviously we talked about resolutions, uh, and we had ended that show, or towards the end we had talked a little bit about some surprising stats around uh, gym attendance, and uh, the numbers are a little bit discouraging. But basically <laughs> boiled down to uh, something along the lines of eighty percent who joined a gym in January 2012, uh, and this was according to whatever the study uh, you had found was. They generally quit within five months, and. There is uh, apparently an episode of another podcast Planet Money where they visited uh, a Planet Fitness location. The gym had a capacity for 300 people, but they had signed up 6,000 total members, which is insane <laughs> by yep. the way. And you know, and uh, what came out was that half of the Planet Fitness members did not ever even go to their gyms. I've certainly Done that before in terms of holding on to a membership, thinking it would get better, think I would become more disciplined about going, you know, at least a few times a week. Whether or not that panned out, uh, you guys can guess. But uh, (laughs) what I think on the flip side of that, I guess to look on the more encouraging side, especially for some of the companies we're going to talk about today, is uh, the general trend overall, though, towards fitness. Some people uh, do manage to maintain it on a year round basis, uh, very. Good about getting their workouts in. And this has had obviously a uh, big effect on certain aspects or certain parts of the apparel industry. And so, why don't you kick us off there, Sarah? Uh, what are you seeing in terms of? the the gym attendance and how it's kind of affecting things.
1: Yeah, so the good news is uh, obviously last week we ended on a bit of a down note on Mm -hmm. gym gym attendance, but actually the average gym member visited uh, their gym over 100 times last year, which is an all-time high. So it's looking like that trend is set to continue for this year. Gym membership has grown 18.6%. Over the uh, sorry between 2008 and 2014, and the trend continued into 2015, which is when our last full set of data is for sure. Um, And the other good news, the other good aspect of this is actually it's not just gyms, we focus on gyms and we talk about gyms a lot, but obviously, there's a variety of ways for people to get involved in fitness activities, absolutely, and there's more ways than ever before. And if you actually look at runners um, in the US, women made up 57% of runners in competitive races, and actually, globally, female race participation is up 25%. Compared to men at seven percent, so obviously we're seeing that generally overall there's an increase in participation, but it's actually swayed much more towards women.
0: So that uh, kind of gives it away, I guess, for our main uh, coverage area for today. And it's not just in terms of uh, you know the apparel industry, but within that, the you know call it the a lot of different ways to describe this at leisure wear, <laughs> yes. uh, active wear, uh, sports apparel. Uh, within that segment. The importance that women uh, have played in uh, in terms of growth for a lot of these companies and a lot of uh, not, companies that previously were not involved in activewear launching lines, branching out. We will get to that. But uh, going on, uh, going further in terms of those some of those numbers you mentioned in terms of female participation in sports and things like that. Uh, I. Thought that a good proxy for this as well might be with high school sports participation in this Absolutely, country. Absolutely, yeah. And I think I pulled some of these numbers. Uh, may have been last year uh, during a show that I did with Sean. But the whole idea was high school sports participation overall is. Up again for the 27th consecutive year. And that's according to the, let me get this right, National Federation of State High School Associations. <laughs> so they do a, an athletics participation survey, and they actually have data going all the way back to 1971. So yeah. some very telling, interesting numbers here. And the surprising thing to see is that back in 1971, the first year of the survey, there was approximately 4 million total participants uh, in high school athletics that year, and about 93% were boys with the remainder obviously uh, being the girls but by so 30 years later by 2001 total sports participation uh, was up over 70 percent from that f- about four million number but now uh, the the mix is starting to shift uh, the girl with girls instead of just making up seven percent they had uh, they were up uh, making up 90% of that growth that we saw wow. from 1970. Yeah. So now, uh, jump forward another 15 years or so in 2016, total participation up another 16% or 16 plus percent from that 2001 level, and girls' growth obviously outpaced that. So their portion now, so since the early 1970s, girls' participation has grown from 7%, like I mentioned, to now they're at over 42%. That's amazing. And uh, I think that really speaks to uh, what we're going to talk about today, and these longer-term trends, kind of shifting in favor of sports wear uh, over years and decades. At this point, uh, can you give us an idea of what the active wear market overall, overall now looks like?
1: Yeah, it can be difficult to measure because, um, as we were talking about before the show, it depends what people are taking into consideration mm-hmm. when they measure active wear. Um, but overall, the industry—the uh, sorry, the U, just to give you context—the U.S. retail apparel industry is about 225 billion. So per capita spending is about a thousand dollars per person yep. on clothing and everything else. So uh, active wear, as a portion of that segment, is estimated anywhere between um, 44 billion. To we've found estimates up to eighty billion, mm-hmm. um, and I'll, and you know I, I will caveat all of that by saying it depends what they're taking into consideration. But really, what what we're trying to demonstrate is it's actually growing to be a huge portion of the overall retail clothing market in the U.S.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we both ran into the problem of uh, in terms of you know how you identify it as leisure wear, uh, active wear. Pinning down the number for what the total market size is—it really depends on whoever is uh, running that data, what they include exactly. Some people, uh, I think you mentioned, uh, might not include shoes, for example. Others might not include uh, other uh, accessories. But overall, if you look at it relatively, the thing to that you'll quickly see is that over time, the this segment, this particular segment within the apparel industry, has grown so quickly, um, and women have been in integral yeah. integral part of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you look at activewear sales, um, over 2015, last complete data set, they grew 16% if you take it, you know, depending on their definition, sure. but the segment grew. Um, and if you look last year, clothing, appa- apparel sales in the US grew 2% year over year. Um, but if you actually took out activewear, the impact that that would have had on the measurement, it would have declined by 2%. So that shows you um, just how much this is juicing the industry. Mm-hmm. And if you look at women's uh, contribution to that, their sports apparel is estimated to grow about 5.7% over the next three years, outpacing the 4.3% expected for the rest of the market. So women are having a, a considerable impact on the market.
0: Absolutely, and the where you will see this bear out, I think, has been uh, in the su- success of certain companies. Uh, you know, think about Lululemon Absolutely. and how it has risen to prominence over uh, you know the past several years it, as uh, growing in step, I think, with this broader uh, this broader market trend, and then of course you have Gap. They launched the Athleta uh, chain to service competitor. Uh, Urban Outfitters had Without Walls, which they have pretty much shuttered, but again trying to get their foot in the door. American Eagle, Victoria's Secret, and then of course that doesn't even include who you typically think of in terms of sports apparel. The the essentially the industry. Uh, leaders being, of course, like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Um, do you feel like there was a watershed moment, or any notable moments in general, or companies that really helped to drive and like kind of curate uh, the the growth in this segment? And as women kind of pour poured into sports,
1: yeah, I really do, and I feel as though it's a chicken and egg scenario. I think that women's participation in sport was up even before a lot of the marketing campaigns targeted women. So mm-hmm. if you look in 2013. Nike saw their women's segment grow 12%, which outpaced their overall growth of 9%, their top-line growth. So, obviously, interest was there. But what I love is this uh, anecdote about um, McKenna Peterson, who was 12 years old at the time in 2014. She wrote a letter to Dick Sporting Goods, and she'd received the company's basketball catalogue. She was really into basketball. Okay. And I would um, urge people to go and look at this letter, because it's fantastic example of, you know, truth and honesty that only children can really master. (laughs) And she said, uh, there are no girls in the catalogue. Oh, wait, sorry, there is a girl in the catalogue on page six, sitting in the stands. So her outrage kind of fueled this big public media response. um, Sorry, social media response and market researchers really tried to hone in on this aspect or they they sense that there was something here. Um, the New York Yankees actually sell more women's apparel than men's apparel. So they wow. people started to notice these things, and marketers came back and they said that the current ads don't appeal to women because they're not real enough. You know, they showed extremely talented, muscle-clad athletes, and women couldn't really identify with that message. and they couldn't really find a, a space for themselves in the industry. Okay. So I would say to me, Two marketing campaigns that really signaled a turning point in the industry. If you look at mid-2014, uh, Under Armour came out with um, I Will I Want campaign. Kevin Plank called it the most expansive global women's marketing campaign to date, and it really was. And the campaign featured female athletes talking about moments uh, that they'd received you know, negativity in their career. And that really resonated with a lot of women. You had like Misty Copeland talking about a rejection letter that she yes. received, things like that. 2015, Nike responded launching its Better For It campaign, which is the largest women's campaign ever um, to date. And it featured uh, an inner dialogue of women. Um, So you had a a woman stuck behind a row of models um, in a spinning class, uh, a runner through a half marathon, um, a yogi unsure of what to do? Feeling awkward, and this had tremendous success. Their YouTube um, inner thoughts compilation video actually re- received 8.5 million views on on their channel on YouTube. So it was really fantastic response to all of those.
0: Yeah. So these two cams, uh, campaigns, it seems like they really uh, they did it the right way in terms of captivating that interest from that segment and uh, that that letter. Uh, it's just really funny if you think about it and i can totally see uh, now I'm, f- I'm sure for uh, even a company like exporting goods seeing th- how that segment is uh is growing for them within their activewear sales, uh, kind of kicking themselves, like, you know, we probably should have noticed this even sooner. We didn't need this 12 year old to tell us
1: that. <laughs> I, I love the 12 uh, year old blindsided the industry. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I feel like to some extent it's been blown out of proportion, but it, it really was a turning point. And I feel like a lot of the um, marketers actually are responsible for some of the insight that we've gained into the female segment of the market.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So, um, I would like to move on to some uh, some more specifics with these companies uh, that we've just touched on in terms of you know uh, what num- what growth they're seeing specifically uh, where some companies are excelling where others are struggling. Uh, before we do that though, I do want to give a big thanks to Green Chef for supporting this podcast. Sarah you and I talked about New Year's resolutions last week, and I think we both had healthier lifestyles and eating we on did. our lists. <laughs> um, I'm still going pretty strong on the workouts and exercise. I know you've still been doing your insanity workouts with Shanti, yes. Yes. Uh, but. The problem I usually run into and I have been already running, to in running into in 2017 is with food, and that was really never getting all the ingredients and recipes I needed on a regular basis to actually make healthy meals at home. Uh, but Green Chef has really solved this problem for me and made this part of my New Year's resolution so much easier and tastier. Uh, so you can save money and eat healthy with Green Chef's USDA certified organic meal kits. They make it really easy to get your meals ready with the ingredients you need and very uh, clear, amazing instructions with photos, which I particularly need because I'm kind of <laughs> useless in the kitchen. Um, all this is, of course, delivered straight to your door. There are several plans with options including vegan, paleo, and gluten-free. Uh, no more grocery shopping, no more planning ahead, and no commitments. You can switch between menus, skip weeks, or cancel whenever you want. So go to greenchef.com to get $50 off today and make Green Chef a resolution that sticks. All right. So you know, as we often do during the latter half of the show, uh, getting into some of the numbers for the publicly traded companies that are dabbling in this market. Can you give us some examples of how uh, certain players have benefited from the, uh, the you know the surge that we've seen yeah. with women's activewear in this segment?
1: Yeah, sure. So Nike's global sales um, of its women's business has grown 26% uh, between 2013 and 2015. Um, so it's up 4.5 billion. From sorry, 4.5 billion to 5.7 billion. Uh, that's the last. They don't actually break out women's contribution, so that's the mm-hmm. last time we can we can see that. But what we do know is uh, they they currently obviously earn around five billion annually, but they expect it to contribute 40% um, of their revenue over the next five. Years. And
0: that's just from uh, what they see as the women's segment. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah.
1: So it's a huge contributing factor and definitely an audience that they're going to want to court going sure. forward. Kevin Plank, uh, sorry, Kevin Plank, the um, CEO of Under Armour, said in the company's last earnings call that women's wear is approaching a one billion business for the company. Mm -hmm. And Just to put that into some context for you, the total apparel sales in 2015, so that's the, you know, clothing, um, sportswear, Mm -hmm. was 2.8 billion for men, women and children. So you're looking at a huge contribution again.
0: Um, Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: And if you look... To some of the more pure play, like the Lululemon, is a a kind of uh, much more of a lifestyle brand. We would describe it as Mm -hmm. they've had twenty percent growth in sales over the last five years. So really phenomenal um, sales performance from these uh, companies that are concentrated mostly on the female market.
0: Yeah, but you know, at the same time, though, I think the growth numbers are incredible. There's no doubt about that. uh, Overall, Uh, the the contribution that you described that uh, this segment has had in terms of the, and the growth of the leisure where especially with women can't deny that, but at the same you know, it has definitely drawn out a lot of competition too really we does. mentioned some of the lifestyle brands or more traditional um apparel retailers who weren't really inactive where getting into it, launching their own lines or experimenting a lot of uh even smaller uh, smaller, I guess startup style names. and you even have something like, a crossfit or a soul cycle getting into their yes. own lines yeah. of apparel. It is a ton of competition, so it's not. Has it necessarily been all good news? I guess for some of these companies, at least.
1: No, absolutely not. When whenever you get a situation like this, it's always going to have the effect of the dreaded commoditization sure. kind of term being applied to. And and in this case, I will use some statistics for um, yoga pants or leggings or tights, mm-hmm. which are kind of a barometer for the female market. They they're by far the biggest segment within that market. Um, so growth is slowing. They had six percent decline in unit sales last year, and uh, the average sale selling price is down. And this is kind of the key issue: that margins are down for these companies as okay. well. So if you look, the average selling price um, for tights was down nine percent year over year in 2016. That trend is set to continue into this first quarter of 2017. So we'll, investors will want to watch that figure quite closely. If you look. Um, More specifically, margins were down at Nike, so their gross margin was down 1.4% year-over-year for their last quarter. Okay, I will caveat that again by saying that um, they claim uh, in their earnings call that they have higher selling prices, uh, but they were offset by um, unfavorable foreign exchange rates and higher product costs, which could well be the case. Mm -hmm. Under Armour, very similarly, were down 1.3% year-over-year in their last quarter. And they're suggesting that this reflects um, the timing of the liquidation of Sports Authority. And I think ah, if yes. you look at the overall market performance of Under Armour, it's Under Armour A shares are down 40% in 2016. A lot of this is around concerns of, you know, can they compete with Nike? But a big impact of that is their, um liquidation issues. Uh so they had to obviously put a lot of promotions on to get rid of a lot of the stock that they had that was going to go through sports authority. Yeah, of course. Um, so undoubtedly that had an that had an effect and we should bear that in mind. But definitely you've touched on a couple already, but it really is um every man and his dog is now in the athletic <laughs> <laughs> um that's my dad's favourite saying by the way. Um so, Walmart is actually the leading sports, sports goods and footwear apparel retailer in the US, if you look at it on a value scale. Um, online, you've got Kate Hudson's Fabletics, Netta Porter's launched Netta sporter As you touched on, you you have um, gyms launching their own lines. Yeah. Amazon has announced that they want to enter the market. So, it's a completely saturated market at the moment. And I think the way we're going to see that shake out is there will be some leveling off. Of the more fashion focused H and M's, um, Walmart's, Target, there will be some leveling off, decreasing of that market, and it's down to the pure play, the true athletic retailers, um, to carve a segment out for themselves.
0: Sure, uh, I I think the using the the legging sales as a proxy for <laughs> for where this segment is going or and what companies might see with women's sports apparel, it makes a lot of sense um, that. Seems to be the main thing I pull out of the laundry most days, when, <laughs> in the tent. hamper with my wife. So I, I hope she doesn't kill me. But um, the that I I can definitely see that it's definitely the kind of thing that can get commoditized very easily, yep. right? And um, in terms of you know you mentioned some of these other stores, even higher end names. If you think about uh, a Louis Vuitton and A Beyonce, for example, coming out with uh, their own uh, athleisure lines. And Under Armour taking that, you know, taking it from the more, I guess, everyman uh, athlete level. And, you know, they've kind of taken uh, athleisure upscale even with the recent launch of, uh, you know, kind of a new spin off uh, premium line Mm -hmm. of athletic wear that's more fashion focused. But uh, what do you think? Uh, besides uh, some of these bigger companies jumping in, making things more competitive, the smaller shops opening up as well. How do you think some of the the, the main industry leaders like Lululemon or Nike or, or Under Armour can kind of do to make sure they stay ahead of the pack? Like, is there something that you see in the next year or five years that is going to allow them to set themselves apart, or just uh, you know kind of keep tapping into what is ultimately still a long term trend that's growing in their favor, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah, and it, and you're right. It is a long-term trend, and I think I'll circle back to something that you mentioned at the start, where you were talking about high school sports mm-hmm. participation in girls, and that has been proven that if you're involved in sports at a young age, you're likely to be focused on sports the whole for your whole life. Sure, um, and so that's a crucially important aspect of all of this. It means that the addressable market is increasing every year with um, you know more more focus on on girls, and I will say that I think that really what these um, brands need to do is focus on the female segment separately to the male segment. I think it's obviously understood now that certain things that appealed to the male segment of the market don't appeal to the female segment. Yeah. And it has been proven again and again, if you look at Lululemon, who exclusively targeted women, was much more of a lifestyle brand, um, much more of an all-encompassing concept that women could buy into. Sure. they have been They've had a rough road, but they have been treated favorably. If you look, 2016, their share price was up 16% their gross margin actually increased 4.2% um, in uh, 2016. And this was primarily primarily, sorry, due to the ma- able to maintain and improve their average retail price. So you can see that the companies who are exclusively almost focusing on the female segment um, are being the, rewarded the highest. And I think that this they need to kind of Understand that women, especially millennials, connect best with the authentic stories. So I think we're going to see more marketing campaigns, uh, such as the Better for It and I Will I Am, um, I Will I Want. Sorry, uh, and uh, we're going to see more focus on the female market.
0: Yeah, and it makes sense too that as this segment has proven itself uh, to be able to deliver such consistent growth, uh, the profits that we've seen that these companies will naturally want to separate their efforts a little bit more clearly knowing that okay we need we can't just push out these uh, uh, athletic wear or focused marketing campaigns or promotions or whatever it may be that are very traditional, maybe geared towards men because this other side of it is so lucrative now and women can be an even potentially bigger part of it. Um, last question I have for you. Uh, we've been very US focused. I'm curious, based on your experience i think i asked you this before what you know back at home in the uk do you see is it as common to see people kind of walking around in their yoga class leggings or whatever uh, you know back in school on college campuses here i think it is an everyday incredibly common thing but what opportunity do you think this has becoming an everyday part of your wardrobe abroad not only in europe but also in asian markets and elsewhere
1: I think Asian market is a huge growth opportunity, Mm -hmm. um, massive. And I think uh, from some of the articles I was reading, actually, um, like the Morgan Stanley report, they suggest that the China market might be underestimating the US market and vice versa. So clearly, there's huge potential in both. I would say traditionally back home, where I'm from in the UK, um, people would have been Slightly more conservatively averse to wearing leggings all the time. That sure. that is completely changed now, um, and they are just as popular as they are here. Uh, it would suggest that the big um, the big selling point in the U.S. is that with a lot of the, with the rise of the last, a lot of startups, more casual attire is um, acceptable in work and other situations. Maybe not so much the same back home, uh, but Nike actually opened their first female only store in London, so it shows you that they. That there's an opportunity there.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's that's very uh, that's really interesting uh, in terms of you know what you mentioned just with the startups and you know it takes I think a long time maybe even decades sometimes for that culture change to happen but once it happens you know clearly uh, you mentioned Nike who had just opened the store the opportunity is there. And I think that especially in Asia, uh, that will definitely be something we have to focus on our next show, uh, is the opportunity of this segment uh, for both men and women abroad. But otherwise, anything else you want to close out with?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I I think that this is definitely something that should Form part of the investment thesis of um, investors looking to get into this space. I not necessarily for the big companies, the targets, uh, the H and M's, people like that, but mm-hmm. definitely for Nike and Under it's going to become an increasingly important part of their business.
0: Great. Well, thanks a lot, Sarah. I Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. So That wraps up our discussion for today. Uh, you can reach out to us and the rest of the Industry Focus crew via Twitter at MFIndustryFocus, or send us any questions via email to industryfocus at fool.com. And don't forget to check out www.fool.com podcast for our other awesome shows. People in the program may own companies discussing the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during this program. Thanks for listening and Fool on.